midfield, flicked on twice, brought down eventually. Noel Kelly blows his final whistle. Calgary Dinos are your Canada West champions after defeating UBC Thunderbirds 1-0 here at Clark Stadium. Goal scored by McDonald, who found the back of the net in beautiful fashion with a right-footed strike off the post and in. But of course, another episode of Dinos Unfiltered coming at you right now. Jeremy Lee, Max Sterley, as always. Hello. Good great, to be here. Great to have you here, man. Of course. You as well. What a weekend that was. You're, you're feeling better now, right? Feeling much better. It's a pretty, uh, pretty quiet weekend for the Dinos, hey? Oh, man. <laughs> Crickets. Not much going on. No, I'm feeling a lot better. And uh, this weekend was insane. We're gonna we're gonna get into it a lot, but this yeah. this was a wild weekend. Before we get into it, anything fun you did? I guess the the, the one fun not fun thing I didn't do was drive car to go. Oh, so, so car to go is officially dead in Calgary now. You know, this was the first weekend where it was gone. November first was the final day, or October thirty first at midnight. Like it's gone, as in not coming back, like Krispy Kreme donuts, not yeah. coming back. No. Krispy Kreme Donuts out of Calgary for good. And Cardigo out of Calgary for good. Yeah. yeah. They, they are going to be out of a couple other American cities as well. They cited um, like Lyme. One of the big reasons why they cited the economy in Calgary is another reason why that they didn't have a big enough market for, to sustain the business. I don't know if I disagree with that. I thought Calgary really embraced Cardigo since its inception in 2012, but I mean... Apparently not. So it's a shame because I know lots of people like myself kind of relied on Cardigo for, you know, the main source of transportation. And, you know, it was great. You know, don't have to pay insurance. You pay a very reasonable rate. It's cheaper all around. Like even, an, even on a high month for me, if I'm spending a hundred bucks on Cardigo, that's still, you know, hundred minimum cheaper than having a car with monthly payments, reg, you name it. So. And there was no issues finding a available car? Only a couple times, okay. but like I would say beyond those couple times, I never had to walk more than 10 minutes to get a car. So Well, that's sad. Yeah, rip. I have to buy a new car or buy a car or, at some uh, point. Or use Lime all year round. How about well, that? Well, they're taking the scooters out. They, oh. they, took, they took the scooters out. They're not coming back till March. And honestly, that's probably for the best, like <laughs> from a safety hazard perspective. But yeah, so it's now suddenly like, you know, November 1st hits and... Nothing. No options for anyone who's using those services. So. But I kind of want to see a scooter with winter tires on. That'd be studded winter yeah, tires. That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, I would definitely take the plunge. But I mean, yeah. What can no, you I do? understand. What yeah. can you do? So that was a uh, that was the one negative uh, weekend or negative piece of the weekend. Beyond that, had a great weekend. Feeling a lot better. Lots going on with dinos and had a pretty fun Halloween party as well. So nice. dressed, dressed up as a penguin. When as a penguin. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's good. How about yourself? Um, did some trick-or-treating with my daughter, and uh, she went as a unicorn. That seemed to be the big theme for a lot of girls this year, so I guess she just was right on that bandwagon. But uh, yeah, we didn't even make it around the block, maybe like a quarter of the way, and her bag was full. <laughs> so what, what neighborhood was that? Uh, scenic Acres. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so. But I did pick up some notes on which neighbors hand out like the full size chocolate bars, who hand out the goodie bags, who just leave their candy out front. So it's all mapped out in my brain for next year. Yeah. 
The, That's key. The candy analytics are hot. Yeah. Yeah. Be very Facts prepared. that matter. <laughs> so that was fun. I was watching a ton of dino sports this weekend, specifically uh, men's and women's soccer and the football game. So we'll get to all that. So you wanted to touch on some of women's rugby and some of the other bye weeks going on? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so quickly, women's rugby dinos were at nationals in Ottawa. Unfortunately, not their best showing as they dropped two matches, one to Ottawa, the host GGs, and then also to Acadia as well. But did want to mention Canada West All-Stars, Berlin Seselja, Cassell Menon, Cassidy Jones, Ali McDougall, and Canada West Rookie of the Year, Julia Omakwale. So shout out to all of them. And then, yeah, men's and women's volleyball on a bye. They'll next be in action at the Jack this coming weekend against McEwen. So if you guys are in town, it'd be great to see you there. Uh, What's going on with the hockey scene there, Max? Men's was on a bye, so it was all the women's team this weekend. Um, We had, it was a home-and-home split with Alberta. And Alberta coming into the weekend was ranked number six in Canada. Lethbridge did crack the top ten, so they were tenth uh, in the U Sports rankings. For the record, I don't know when the last time that happened or if it's the first time, but regardless, for a program that was going through a lot of transition, that's a huge accomplishment for them because they're off to an amazing start. Um, but anyway, so the split with Alberta went extremely well for the for the women this weekend they they went into alberta claire drake arena and they got um a 3-2 victory delaney fry delaney 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 got Mm. the game winner early in the third period they got scored on kind of midway through the third and they just held on kelsey roberts 31 saves in that game just another banner performance then they come in the next night at fdb and they really put on a show they they won 4-2 so they outscored Alberta 7-4 over the weekend, first sweep since 2013. Elizabeth Lang cracked the Dino plays of the week with the number five spot. Like, this kid's disgusting. Honestly, oh. she's so sick. Like, some of the best hands I've seen in Canada West, and she makes it happen herself. Like, she was able to get two assists on the Friday game, then she, you know, plays good defense, blocks a pass, and goes clean on a breakaway from center. So she had all day to think about what she was doing. She goes backhand cheese. Like, it was so nasty. Well, the thing that stood out to me was the breakaway speed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and the... the she just took off. It yeah. Was nuts. Yeah. The, the Alberta player, who's a pretty good defender, first-year defender, Taylor Anker, she's one of their better skaters, too, and Lang yeah. just burned her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely burned her. Um, but, yeah, they came through another really great effort for the women's team, and they are up to six wins on the season. Through ten hey. games, yeah. Last season they had five all all year, so they are off to a crazy start. And for a couple of hours, because the UBC Saskatchewan game started a little later, for a couple hours the women's team was first in Canada West. Hmm. And the parity there now, uh, I believe they're in thir- the third spot, just two points back. But um, the parity in Canada West is just off the charts this year. There's two teams that have yet to crack 10, and then it goes 14 to 19, 6 through 1. It's it's insane. One other thing we're shouting out, Brooke Dennett scored her first career goal as a dino. Took her 38 games, but her celebration was hype. She couldn't believe she scored. Congrats, Brooke. So that was awesome. And then, yeah, I guess shifting over to soccer. Onto the pitch. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. What a weekend. Holy smokes, Jeremy. Should we start with men's soccer first? Yeah, he'll start with men's. That was 
insane. Another hype video from from Men's Hockey. Did you watch it this time? I did, yeah. You talked about it last week. But, uh, yeah, Cristiano, our guy, just coming through with another um, hype video. Thanks to him for putting that on because it's like we were in the locker room celebrating with those guys. Just that victory over MRU, which is huge and um, significant because... That was the first time uh, they get to go to nationals. Yeah, they're going to Montreal way out east. Yeah. They were playing UBC the following day. Yeah, the um, Canada West. For the Canada West Championship. They weren't able to to crack the Canada West Championship. They lost 2-0 to UBC, but regardless, they will go to nationals and play. Well, and UBC has, like, a decorated program. Yeah, absolutely. Their third straight title or whatever. Yeah, even in spite of the the nationals' berth, that... I think it's fair to say that the the men's team was the underdog heading into that final game, and they weren't able to beat the odds. But still, like an in- insane season for this team. They, I don't think they were really expected to do this, and they're they're going they're going to nationals. Like it's it's an, been an amazing run for them. Yeah, and uh, and Mark Bodan is pretty oh, decent at soccer. Like man, this guy's clutch. Lethal. Yeah, and the last minute goals, right? Yeah. Eighty-eight minute. The, the heartbreaker goals. <laughs> Yes. He scores the type of goals that make you want to throw your like video game controller into the oh, screen, right? 100%. Yeah, full on <laughs> full on FIFA twenty, like, you know, getting absolutely tilted over a game. That, yes. that's what Bodan does to the opponent. So good luck to those guys out in Montreal. I believe their first game is against Cape Breton on Thursday. Uh, you guys can catch that on Canada West T V presented by Co op. Gotta get that plug in there. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> and also, you're going to want to watch the women's nationals. Um, but we're going to start off with the crazy weekend for them. Yep. But surprisingly, not a lot of goals. Just one goal scored over the weekend. Um, first off, a 0-0 draw, and then an eventual win. In, in PKs, yeah. yeah. Always exciting. Yeah, and yeah. then a one nothing win over UBC. But quickly going back to that Griffins game there, did you watch PKs at all? or I was, I was following along okay. on Twitter. And that's that's just like nightmare stuff when you're just like you know just yeah you're just re- trying refreshing. to update the feed refreshing constantly nothing's happening and then you get a result oh let's go yeah um, it was nuts though like so I I watched it on Canada West TV presented by Co-op but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah when when we missed the first one that was like oh man we're behind the eight ball here yeah. but yeah just the girls coming through in the clutch yeah. and it was tough too because we were talking about I believe. Just how uh, the McEwen goaltender, she's the first team all-star. Yeah. So you're like, oh, man. Yeah, it's it's over. And especially when you go down one. I'm not, I don't have the statistics on hand, but the odds of winning after, you know, missing the first PK, and it's the same in, in hockey and shootouts, like your odds of winning go way down. Yeah. And to come back from that against such a talented goal, goalie specifically, like, it's unreal. Where's, and the, where's our next gen stats guy? Yeah, yeah sport logic. Right. We need a plug. <laughs> um, but yeah, amazing start to that that portion of the season, and then they play UBC, and Kelsey McDonald gets it done. Fifty fifth minute, a bullet. It was oh. a beauty. All, another play that cracked the plays of the week for the Dinos this week. And um, the thing that impressed me about that goal was just her composure in the box. A lot of people, yeah, keep, have the ball keep rolling, but she just slowed it down and made sure she had good footing 
and just release that rocket. I think that was key to getting a good shot off. And I think she also recognized that she had more space and time than, you know, maybe people you'd normally think they would. No. Because when you're when you get the ball in the box, you're like, okay, there's probably two to three, maybe four defenders on me. Yeah. How quickly can I not only just get this off, but can I get yeah. it on target? Can I make the goalie do something? And, yeah. And the goalie didn't do anything on that play. <laughs> no chance to. No chance. Yeah. And so for the Dinos women's soccer team, first program title, first Canada West title in 14 years. Huge. So amazing. So they are heading to nationals as well. Uh, I believe they draw Victoria in their first game, if I'm not mistaken. They do the hometown Vikes. Yeah. Yep. So that'll be that'll be a fantastic start to the tournament and a well-deserved result for this women's team. They've been dominating Canada West for the last two years, and and they get rewarded first with the championship and now now nationals. It should be it should be a party out there. So thanks to women's soccer for bringing home the second Canada West banner uh, for the 2019-2020 season. The other one, of course, going to cross-country running. We're going on to football? Yeah, I guess so. Oh, it was a, it, my goodness. It was a, yeah, I mean, what can you say? That's an instant classic right there. That's, you know, I was, I was following along Twitter, you know, the last couple minutes of the game because getting texts from a couple folks here just saying, like, this game's insane. Like, this game's ridiculous. And you hear that a lot, and you're like, okay, okay. okay. And then you see the highlights, and you're like, what is going on? Like this, and you we t- we talked about it before we started recording that in the first quarter it was three to one, so like all of this scoring like what do some quick math well, here. I, I felt like I was at the Father David Bauer yeah. watching a hockey game. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah, and I didn't. I had. I was like, oh, this is gonna be a defensive struggle. Yeah, yeah, and then it just floodgates opened up for both teams. And there is so much to talk about in this game. Like we could go all day, and we'll we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth, but. That's got to be one of the most ridiculous finishes to a game that I've seen in a long time. Oh, like, it was... Absolutely off the charts. There were just so many elements to it. Just even going back to the punt return TD, 97-yard return from Shea Weeks from the Bisons, and, and then the response right away, the very next play, it was a 97-kickoff return from Jalen Philpott. Number uh, three plays of the week. Who apparently consistently burns Nick's stats in practice. So yes. He's so explosive out there. And you just see it on this return. And it was it was awesome because we needed those points, that cushion, because Bison's put up a heck of a fight. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it was cool that they just never backed down. And I got to say, like, on that Phil Pot return, you know, it's, it's something that we can't do, or at least I'm just going to assume that we both can't do it, but the... It's crazy, like like watching these kinds of returns, and you know they find a lane, they get an area, and then suddenly, like just at the flip of a switch, they hit a second gear, and you can visibly see that where they're, I don't even know how to put in perspective, but they just get instantly faster, like like at a snap of a finger, and they're gone, and that's what Phil Pot was like. It was like Phil Pot in that scenario, Damian Williams over the weekend oh, yeah, against yeah. Minnesota, like it's just like suddenly they find a hole and they just have that breakaway speed. And it's I, just incredible to watch. I will say this. How they run is how I drive. Yeah. <laughs> Find a hole and then just kick it up a gear and you're gone. Anyway, like... Safety but, first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't drive like that with the kids in the car. No, no. But I do want to shout out Justin Dunk, uh, who's doing color for the game. He did make mention of just how smooth his jump cuts are. 
and that was that's what I think that's what you're referring to. Yep. He just finds that seam wherever it is, and he can just smoothly get there. Yep. And then because of that smooth transition, he's able to just hit that top speed right away, and he explodes. Yeah, so great job by the Dinos. Sinagra turning those numbers around, which is awesome. 285 passing yards, but the previous game, he had one TD to four interceptions this week, four TDs to one interception, just passing. Don't forget, he also had a clutch rushing touchdown, yes. the final score for the Dinos. Yeah, minute eight left. That put them up 47 to 40 with the extra point. Well, on, on that drive alone, yeah. he rushed it four times, I believe, and you know, channeling his inner Lamar Jackson Yeah, without the cuts. Yeah, without the cuts, and then... Sorry, Adam. <laughs> and then the finish. So oh so Manitoba they they had one chance. I don't remember like my memory's brutal here, but they either threw a pick or they had a missed opportunity on fourth down and it looked like Dinos were in victory it formation. Was a pick. It, so it, it was, was a pick, pick yeah. yeah. So Dinos in theory in victory formation. Oh, cuz even then, can I, oh, sorry, yeah, just to cut you yeah, off yeah, there. Yeah, but jump the, in there. the pick itself was also just crazy. Because I think it was Bakru, I believe that's what his name was. He had the hands on it, and he just couldn't corral it, and he kept it alive, and it just fell into the hands uh, of the Dino Defender. So I can't remember who uh, yeah. got the pick there, but it was another one of those like crazy, I can't believe this happened moments. And yeah. even Des Catelier, the quarterback for the Bisons, couldn't believe it. Yeah. He had thrown a, a good pass, and the drive should have kept going. Yeah. But uh, so we got one there. And then, and then, hail and mary, ten seconds left. Oh, like one of, one of the funnest plays in sports, regardless across the board, is that last second bomb. Even if it happens against your team, I mean, it's, it's still not, exciting. It's not, it's, it, it's not that fun, but it's it's so exciting. <laughs> like it's you know it's a it's a penalty shot in hockey. It's you know oh, you just, know final ten seconds in basketball. Like it's just it's it puts you on the edge of your seat. Being a Patriots fan, I have endured enough of these 50-50 lucky ball, yeah. lucky grab balls, whatever you want to call them. It's frustrating. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, the David Tyree catch, the <laughs> Mario Manningham catch on the sidelines. Yeah. That's basically what would... Doug Janis, like all these guys. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly, right, for Aaron Rodgers there. but yeah. And then you see it again. Yeah. But the cool part that put me to ease, I guess, a little bit anyway. So we were chatting with Nick Stats following uh, the weekend, just to get his perspective, his reaction on how the game went for him. And he was talking about how he talked to Catelier after the game. And Dez had mentioned that they actually drew it up like they wanted it to. They were preparing for the tip ball yeah. off the Hail Mary. Yeah. So Yeah, that, that's a design play, like as much as it may not look like it. Like, right. And I mean, a, I think the element of luck is still there because oh, 100%. The, the tip has to go to the exact spot yep. where that receipt, the trail receiver is. Yeah. And, you know, a ball coming at you from 50 feet, like you miss it by an inch, whatever. Right. It, it's, it's, it's a dead play. And Nick was saying he got a hand in there, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's got to be deflating. <laughs> and so the wild part was they had to like mentally get prepared because yeah. Manitoba decided to go for two oh, points. Inst- instantly. And you know what? Like I, We've seen this become a trend in the NFL this year especially. I guess so. The, the, hey? the, there, no. There's a lot of debate and analytics to back it up saying that the, you know, sure, like, you know, you kick it, you go into overtime and you, you know, you, you deal with it then, but the the odds of converting the two point conversion there and winning the game, like it's 
it's more likely that you can successfully do that versus winning in overtime. It's just roughly how it goes based on a number of studies. And to quote Herm Edwards from, you know, to go back into the time machine, you play to win the game, but man, like in hindsight, like, I don't know, like, I feel like in that scenario, like with how hyped that play was, like how crazy that was, the emotional high that everyone was on, kick the field goal and go to overtime. That's maybe maybe I'm just a pansy, but like I don't know. Like, well, but I think that was actually why they went. For yeah, it, maybe they were trying to use that momentum to their advantage. Yeah. But like both both teams, right? Like on such a high, like do you not want to like slow it down for a second, go into overtime and take your chances? I don't know. I think but, you felt that the Dinos were on their heels. Yeah. They thought they were in shock yeah. after and, that play. And then, of course, like the two-point convert. What what happened? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Our boy Nick Stats coming yeah. up with a clutch interception to seal the victory for the Dinos, and they punched their ticket to the Canada West final. Very convenient uh, podcast guest, shall we say? Yeah, this is great. I mean, we, we clearly planned this, yeah. <laughs> So we did chat with Nick leading up to the game. Yeah, he's a, he's a busy guy. Yep, busy guy. And we kind of, we didn't talk too much about the upcoming game. We kind of, you know, maybe off the air a little bit, just talked about very briefly, you know, the pregame interview scrum kind of stuff, like, you know, easy content, easy quote grab. But beyond that, we didn't really talk about the upcoming game. We tried to get it more of a sense of... Um, well, there's too many layers to Nick's stats. No, yeah. And we, what we've learned. We needed to peel those back. And he was great. He was a really fun interview. He was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like the, <laughs> the guy's a clown. I've never and, and seen you laugh the, so much, my yeah, friend. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. I, I made Jeremy's life a, a nightmare because he was editing the audio for this. And I'm just laughing like an idiot this whole episode. It was warranted. I'll, yes. I'll give you that. But just getting his thoughts from the end of the game, though. And he was just saying how... They had to forget that play, the the big play, and uh, just the defense doing a good job in making Dez throw a really tough ball. Yes, which ended up getting deflected right into Nick Stats's hands. You could say it was lucky, right place at the right time. Hey. Though, yeah, you know he was in his spot. And you were mentioning it too, how for two seconds there, it seemed like he wanted to just break it back for a hundred and ten yard oh, return. Man. But, of it, course, Grant McDonald, his teammate, tackles yeah, him to the like, ground. Literally, like, with both of his hands, like, get down, get down. And he's baseball slides it to end it with the team tackle, of course. And I got to say, the celebration where they mobbed each other and Nick is holding up the football, that is Friday Night Lights-esque, I got to say. So well done to Nick in that department because that was, that was an iconic moment for sure. So I think we did a pretty good job covering that game. But if you want more football, the Dinos do play Saskatchewan in the Hardy Cup final. That takes place next weekend, I believe. That's correct. And that's the 12th straight Hardy Cup for the Dinos. Uh, 1 p.m. Mountain Time next week. So yep. That'll do it for us. If you want more football, we've got it for you. Because Nick Stats dropping in for a tremendous interview. We had a great time, like you had mentioned. So we'll just leave you with that. Good job by you, Max. Same to you, Jeremy. Game on the line. The Calgary Dinos had a 33-16 lead to start this fourth quarter. The throw, up, picked off. 
And that's the gamble you take when you go instead of trying to kick the extra point and the celebrations are on in Calgary as the Dinos hold the Bisons at bay on a two-point attempt and win the first semifinal of the day, 47 to 46. This week on Dinos Unfiltered, Jeremy Lee, Max Sterley, and our special guest, Nick Stats, in from Dinos Football. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. You know, I'm just, I don't know, it's a good day. We got playoffs this weekend, so I'm excited. So uh, is this going to be the longest form interview you think you've had before? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I've had a little quick interviews, but no one ever asked me more than like two questions. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> What's the worst interview you think you've had? Worst interview? I don't know. I don't think the I can't really think of an interview, but I guess like the worst public speaking ever I did was uh, I think it was in I was in Pee Wee had to do like a coach's speech okay. and I thought I was just gonna wing it. I didn't prepare anything, <laughs> and it went absolutely terrible. I was just stuttering the whole time. I was choked up. I was it was brutal. W- was it as bad as the Jameis Winston like eat a W speech? No, nothing would be worse than that. <laughs> I, I love that one. That's so funny. <laughs> I think his career went downhill after that. Honestly. Oh, he's thrown in. That was a turning point, eh? Seriously. Yeah, I think the Bucks are like four and seventeen since that speech, which oh, yeah. is insane. But anyway, um, I hope we're with Nick today, and hopefully yeah. not Aaron. Oh yeah, yeah. How do you guys know though? You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I wanted to ask you that. I was talking to your former uh, teammate Doc Asama, and okay, he was like, yeah. "I still can't tell you guys apart." So, oh, yeah. help us out as the listeners. How can we tell you guys apart? Uh, if you can ever get us both smile at the same time, Aaron's got a missing tooth. It's really subtle because the gap's pretty small, but it's on the one of his sides. And I think I got like a shorter, more condensed face. People say I look fatter, I guess. Might be He's more. got three pounds on you though, right? I know, but I got the, like, the fatter looking face. <laughs> Chubbier face. <laughs> the yeah. baby face. Yeah. Do you guys even have the same facial hair? Uh, yeah. Oh my goodness. But I guess like we don't really grow it out at the same time though. If we're both feeling like scrubs will grow it out, but usually we... Ha- one of us is clean shaved. One of us got something going, but I mean, you can't really call this facial hair. It's kind of pathetic. So, what's your favorite twin story from back in the day? Like twin story. Did you guys do any switcheroos? See, we didn't really do a lot of that. I know in elementary school, our one teacher could only tell us apart by our shoes, so we would just switch our shoes once in a while, just to mess with her. But nothing too crazy. We talked about this year if I got hurt, like we just send Aaron in as a, as a sub, and then not tell the coaches, and they wouldn't know. So. Did you ever tr- try a switcheroo on the field or no? No, no, no. no. Uh, can't we, it's too hard with, when we're wearing the same numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I guess so, yeah. I know that. I know the Sedins did it when they were back in their heydays with the Canucks. They would switch out of the face-off circle every now and then, but yeah, I was curious. Yeah. I think they're a little better than us, so <laughs> they got the leeway. Yeah. <laughs> in the spirit of Halloween, though, did you do any tandem costumes with your brother? Uh, I'm trying to think. And what's your favorite one? I think we always try to do, like, different costumes. I think just because when you're twins, you always dress the same when you're younger. So you get older, you're like, I want to be an individual. You're like, tandem costume is every day. Exactly. (laughs) So there was one year, me and my older brother and my twin, we all went as, like, ninjas. And they're, like, different colors. But that was really the only time we all did the same thing. I mean, we got older, we kind of just did our own thing. So Actually, we were all Spider-Man one year. Different costume. But like all Spider Man. Different versions of Spider Man. Yeah. But <laughs> in Canada, you're never just Spider Man. You're Spider Man with a jacket on because it's so sure. cold yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. Jacket over top, anything. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I did notice, though, that Aaron is a year ahead of you. So mm-hmm. one of the coaches in here asked me to ask you did the coach redshirt you or did your parents redshirt you? Yeah. So my parents, like, they're pretty free when it comes to, like, our sports. They don't want really to get involved too much, especially when we got older. We're, like, adults now. So they never, like, push us to. Redshirt or anything like that, 
But the way it worked out is our first year, Aaron was developing like at a faster pace than I was, I guess, at that point, and he was playing really well. And uh, I think it was a day three before, like he addressed a couple of games during the regular season, but someone got hurt actually like day three, so the practice before the game. It was actually Nate Mitchell, he hurt his shoulder, so he couldn't go. And then they asked Aaron if he wanted to play. They, I remember Coach asked him, he's like, uh, do you plan on, like, do you want me, do you want to dress this year because you're going to burn your year? And of course, at 18, you're not going to be like, no, I want to, I don't want to burn my year. Sure, so, yeah, yeah. So he, he obviously played, but he didn't really play in that game. So he kind of just sat on the sideline and kind of lost his year like that. So I think in retrospect, like now in hindsight, you think, okay, yeah, I wish you had that year back. Because a couple of times you get injured, like he had a, he broke his leg one year. Right. When you get to the end of it, you kind of wish you had that year back. Right. Yeah. But things happen. You can't really say that. It's, it's easy to say it now, but at the time, you're not going to make that decision. How did you guys both uh, decide to play defensive back and play on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, we both were s- super small, skinny, and couldn't catch. <laughs> so that's where you put those guys. Did, did you have experience like in high school and stuff playing other positions, or was it straight D-back the whole way? So when you mean it, we both started playing football, we were nine, and we played Pee Wee. We were going to play Adam, but then... In Adam football, you don't do, like, special teams and stuff. Remember, we went to sign up for the Mavericks, and uh, we were there doing, like, the registration with my dad. And they are like, oh, do you want to play uh, Adam? And me and Aaron looked at each other. We're like, that's not even real football. You don't even play special teams. <laughs> we're like, let's just play Pee Wee. So we played Pee Wee, and, of course, we were, like, four foot nothing. So we played DB. And I still remember when they put me to DB, I cried. You know, when you're a kid, you're always playing in the field. Like, you never think you play defense. Yeah, you're always what running back receiver. Receiver. Okay. Yeah, of course. Okay. And then... My older brother was a receiver, but then me and Aaron were playing DBs, and I remember I was crying the first day they put me there. But then I loved it because I liked I was like an aggressive player, so I liked playing defense. My brothers played three. We played two years of running back in Pee Wee, where we were all running backs. I was a slot back, so I was, those were pretty fun years. And then I played both ways in high school in grade ten, but other than that, mostly DB. Played a little bit of linebacker, I guess. Technically, my position now is a linebacker position, but it's like it's or you like a hybrid or yeah, like a, it's yeah, not yeah. Really, like they're. The way the football is changing now with the, like, people are just doing five receiver sets. Sure, like That yeah. third receiver, technically the Sam linebacker is moving more into the DB position, so right. that's kind of where I'm playing the last couple of years. So, so even when you're seeing the evolution of the game in the NFL, mm-hmm. it's also changing in, at mm-hmm, the esports definitely. level too, hey? Well, just especially with the, le- uh, the, the whole game's changing where, you know, it's not all about hitting and running and, like, driving the ball down people's throats anymore. It's been a lot about, you know, player safety and, they're trying to take away these big hits and like these blindside hits out of the game, so it's becoming more of a athletic sport and more of a skill set really than just hitting. But is it harder to play DB then because you're you can't lead with your helmet? Yeah, you know all that stuff. Right? It's hard. I, I it's, it's there's both sides to it. Like you're not going to expect to get blindsided anymore by a receiver because like those are out of the game. So you're they're playing you differently. That way. Yeah. And every, at the most part, when you're like a smaller dude and you're making a big hit, like you probably take the mo- the worst of it anyway. So yeah. it definitely the game's changing a bit, but it's exciting. But you know, it's still football at the end of the day. So yeah. So it sounds like based on what you said that you maybe the adjustment from a viewer's perspective might be different for you, where it's maybe not a, as big of an adjustment to take away that side of it. Yeah, it's, it's not too bad. And I, at the end of the day, it's still football. Like they're they're not taking it totally out of it, but they're just trying to take away the unnecessary hits because obviously, like. With today's age, with concussions and stuff, you got to be aware of that. And it's just a player safety issue. You know, we, I, people want football to be around for you know the next twenty years, and hopefully, my kids are able to play football. But if it's not a safe sport, then people aren't going to put their kids into it. And if you don't have kids playing football, growing up playing sports, then that sport's going to end up like falling apart. So, so you're definitely in that camp. Like your future kids, you want you would put them in football. Oh yeah. Well, I wouldn't. 
I wouldn't force them to play any sport, but sure, if they wanted yeah, to play yeah. football, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. wouldn't shy them away from it. Right. Obviously, I would teach them how to play properly. That's like the big debate yeah. today, though, right? It's oh yeah. Like, but I think it? with any like sport, especially contact sports, there's going to be an inherent risk for injury, especially obviously head injury and stuff. But knowing how to play properly is like right the main part. You know, it's the Keep best your you head can do in that scenario, right? Don't unnecessarily use your head as a, as a weapon. Like, just play smart. You can still play aggressive and be smart about it. So sure. Um, just dialing it back here. How did you and your brother land on playing with Calgary? I mean, you guys are both mm. from Calgary, obviously, but were you guys like a package deal? Were you guys looking at different schools? What, what was the, the so landscape looking like for you? Our recruiting process is kind of a lot different than, I guess, some of the kids in our program right now. But, like, we obviously played football since we were kids, and obviously we wanted to play at UC since we were really young. But growing up, I, we, I didn't think I was ever going to really play at UC. I yeah. always thought it was a goal of mine, but... Coming out of high school, I thought I was just going to play junior. I knew I was going to come to UC to take to be in school, but I okay. didn't think I was going to be playing in university. I, I didn't really hear about from a lot of schools going into my grade 12 season, and me and my brother, both of us. But we didn't play, like, the UT, uh, Team Alberta, U, Team Canada, any of that, because uh, it was always during the summer and I needed to work. So we just, like, worked in our summers. And especially in high school, you only get two months to work. So Right, Because right, I, right. I wouldn't work uh, during the school year because I was so focused on school and football. Yeah. So I would just work full-time in the summer, bank away my money, and kind of just spend it during the year. So we were both – I guess we were under-recruited, I would say, but, like, in my eyes, I think. But then I ended up getting a meeting with Coach Nil, and then he actually got our names wrong. It's pretty funny. At the end of the meeting, he's like, yeah, your name's Andrew, right? Aaron's like, no, it's Aaron. He's like, yeah. okay. And he, like, asked us, like, my parents' height. It's pretty funny. He's like, you're going to grow a little bit, right? I'm like, I hope so. <laughs> but, yeah. So we end up... Uh, Joke's on him, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, exactly. Didn't, didn't grow much since then. And then, um, so that was uh, in the fall. And then the uh, coach Noah had asked me if I was going to sign my LOI. And I told him I was going to wait till the end of the season because I wanted to get my diplomas done and stuff. And then two of my, like, best friends from high school got recruited from Sask. And they got offered like these full rides and stuff, oh, and man. then of course you're like, oh, that'd be pretty sweet. Like, yeah. and then one of my community coaches in the spring had told me that like the U.S. coaches were interested, but then at the fall time apparently they weren't. So we actually sent our film out to them, and they're like, oh yeah, you can come to spring camp, and if you do well, you'll take like a, a you'll be on the team. And uh, in my head, I'm like, I'm not gonna go to U of S for a maybe and say no to Calgary. Right. Uh, yeah. So end up going to Calgary, obviously, and then just kind of worked my way in. Just and it all worked out, I guess. So from that initial meeting mm-hmm. where you know Coach Nils getting your names wrong to, and it seems like maybe there was not that high of expectations on you guys, mm-hmm. and now you know here you are in year five, and you also got drafted in the mm-hmm. CFL. What was important for you uh, in your progression as a player, in your development as a player? I think just because I love football so much that it didn't really matter if I wasn't playing. I could have been a like a fifth-year backup the whole time, and I would have still played football. It didn't matter if I was playing or not. But when I did decide to come to Calgary, I even I remember talking to my dad. I'm like, I don't even expect to, like, play for my first three years. So I was totally okay with, you know, going through the progression of being a new player, you know, especially coming from high school where most of the guys are all-stars. And you come in to a university level, especially if you're coming to a good program, people aren't used to, you know, taking the back seat and kind of sitting on the bench and stuff. Some people don't even play. Like, I had redshirt. I didn't even dress my first year, so... But it was it, because I love football, I knew I was going to get through that. And I, I was competitive. And me and Aaron, obviously, we work hard together. So we were both always making each other better. And I think that was a huge part of it, just, you know, growing up with that. And, you know, working hard in the gym, just staying, just staying focused and 
just being being able to go through the process and understand, you know, with grace that you're gonna get to where you gotta get to if you just work hard. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, so for you and Aaron, the first time since 1984 that twin brothers have played together at the UFC. Yeah. So what do you think about that? Just like what first comes to mind when you hear that stat? Because that's, you know, it's been quite quite a bit of time mm-hmm. since then. That's a pretty long time. It's pretty surprising, but um, I think it is cool. it's definitely interesting when you have a twin brother because that's not typically happens. Like there's a lot of siblings that play together, but twin brothers totally different. Like me and Aaron think the same way. Like we approach the game the same, with the same mentality. Like I can just look at him and give him a look, and we'll know exactly what we're thinking. You know, so it's just a, a uniqueness about it. That it's just something special. So and obviously we have the Phil Potts now, so that's kind of. Yeah, that's know, right. Yeah. yeah, that was a long span, and then it was yeah. like what two years, yeah, and then exactly. these guys trying to copy us, I guess. <laughs> Do you ever match up against them in practice? Oh yeah, all the time. they always burn me. I'm too oh. I'm too old now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, they're just they're freak athletes. So I always said I'm a, I'm a poor, I'm a poor man's Phil Pot. Oh man. <laughs> I just wanted to chat a little bit about the defense this year. You guys mm-hmm. have been incredible. You lead the Canada West in takeaways, eleven interceptions, twelve fumble recoveries. So. Mm-hmm. What's been special about this group this year? Uh, it's tough to say because every year is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, this year, though. Yeah, this year, it's hard to say. I think we're just, everyone's just buying in and just focusing on, you know, doing as a unit, not just like an individual trying to make a play. Um, I think if we all, ju- like this year, if everyone just focuses on doing their job, the plays will come eventually, you know? If you're trying to force a play, sometimes you get opposition and you don't actually make the play, which is like counterintuitive. So I think this year it's just, it's just guys buying in. And towards the end of the season, we had quite a, like the amount of injuries. Not serious injuries, but we had guys on the bench or like, some key players and the young guys are stepping up and people are coming in and filling their roles and just understanding that it's, it's the concept of the defense is not with the individual that makes us strong. You know, it's the whole defense as a whole. So, I don't know. I think we're all just hungry to, you know, last year I feel like a lot of us felt like we got snubbed in the in the already. We didn't play our yeah, best game. that's right, yeah. And uh, guys took it personal and we just want to, you know, eliminate the mistakes and just play the best we can and just enjoy the team together, especially it did help us a lot that we had like 90% of our defense returned. So that was huge. So the continuity was there. Did that make communication easier or like did you guys take it to a different level this year? Uh, I think it was the same last year. Like I think we did, we, we did all these things last year. It's just, we, we just had a bad game in the playoffs and that yeah. happens to good teams sometimes, but you should have to learn from it and move on. And I think this year we're just, you know, we're just enjoying every week and just taking it day by day and keeping it simple. And I think that's, that's huge. Uh, looking towards the future a little bit, so after post-secondary, mm-hmm. I just want to talk a little bit about the CFL and just, you know, during your university career, at what point did you realize that this was potentially an option for you? Yeah. So in my first couple of years, I obviously I was barely playing, so I didn't sure. even think, like, I wasn't thinking about that. I was just trying to get on the field. Um, I think it wasn't until the end of my third year that I started realizing that, you know, maybe this is possible because... Um, it wasn't even really the end of the third year. It was during that off season because I got invited to the East West Bowl. Right. So pretty yeah. much what happens with that is on your third year, if you're going into your fourth, so your draft year is coming up, you go to the East West Bowl in the spring and summer. So it's to like it's for the CFL to take a look at you. So you run a combine and you do a bunch of practices and you play a game versus the East or East versus West. Um, so when I got invited to that, I knew there was a, a shot. But I still thought, you know, I'm a kind of a smaller dude. I don't know. It would be pretty tough to make an impression. So I wanted to make sure that I tested pretty well. And uh, especially with, like, the lifting ones, I wanted to make sure that I did well, uh, exceed expectations in those drills. Um, and then just – I just 
didn't, I didn't want to make a big deal about it. I just knew if I just kept doing what I was doing, I'd eventually get a shot. And um, that's kind of how it all worked out. I just went into my, so I went into my fourth year. I had a pretty good season, but it wasn't anything spectacular. Like I didn't even, I don't think I had a, even a pick that year. I just, I played solid. And then that whole process kind of just worked out the way it did. And I was really blessed and all my coaches really helped me out. And I had like really good trainers and the group I was training with, with the team really helped me and pushed me. So I thought it was very sweet. And from the combine perspective, mm -hmm. uh, what's the first thing that you think of from it? And what was the hardest test? Well, I actually, uh, the hardest thing for me was when we were training. So I, I didn't get invited to the national. I got invited to the regional. But I knew if I was able to compete well, I'd probably get an invite to the national just because I was looking up the the roster for the national. They only had invited like four or five DBs. So I knew that there was an opportunity for a lot of regional guys to get invited. Sure. So I knew if I tested well and performed well, I probably would have a good shot. But then 20 days away from the combine, I blew my hamstring training. And I thought I was, I, it was bad. I thought I was done. I was really pissed. Um, ended up going to rehab, like just rehabbed a, like a lot of, uh, went to a bunch of physios, a bunch of acupuncture and stuff. Ended up getting to the point where I felt okay on it. Um, I didn't actually do the 40 at the combine because I, I didn't think I would be able to run that. But I ended up doing all the other drills. Um, the other ones are more short distance stuff, so I wasn't really opening it up too much. But I was able to do everything but the 40. And then during the skill periods and stuff, I was able to do okay. But then on the first one-on-one -on -one rep, I, w I went first because I'm like, oh, I want to show them I can play, you know, and I'm excited. And then I ended up re-pulling it on the first rep. Oh and my then God. I was obviously pretty choked up and pissed, but um, nothing you could, I could really done done about it. Like at that, at that point, it was already injured. So, mm -hmm. um, and I still had the combine that I had done earlier at East West, so all my numbers were from there. So, um, and I did okay there. So that I think the, all the coaches and the scouts were all right with that. So I was pretty bummed out, obviously, because I, I I really wanted to go to the national just to show the coaches like a better look. But I think it kind of worked out for me because with the whole draft process, I think I ended up falling like under the radar, and all the coaches knew about me. And then the stamps, obviously, because they're in close communication with the coaches, they saw my film and I had a meeting with them. And uh, I'm obviously happy to end up at Calgary because that's kind of a, where you want to play it when you're a kid, going to your hometown and. It was pretty exciting. Was there another team that was looking at you too? Or? Uh, I had a couple interviews with Hamilton, and then yeah. I had briefly talked with Edmonton, but not a lot. That's why I was like pretty pissed when I got hurt because I'm like, I blew my shot. Um, but it kind of all worked out for me because Calgary, I had a good interview with Calgary, and I was actually going to run a field time later in the year. Okay. They wanted me to like rerun the 40 and do a couple, like kind of like a mini pro day when I was healthy. But then uh, I actually didn't get cleared by their staff. Their medical staff didn't clear me because wow. they didn't think it was smart to do it right before the draft. Because if I would have got hurt in that and then I wouldn't have got drafted, that would have been, it would have looked bad. So they just said no, um, just wait until, you know, the draft. And at that point, like they told me, like I actually, they told me two days before the draft that they're going to draft me. So I kind of knew. They just told me it was going to be later in the draft. I'm like, dude, I don't care. I'll go last <laughs> pick. Anywhere, yeah. <laughs> Did you get a phone call from like an obscure number for your draft call? Because I uh, think talking to Hunter, he got a call. I think from Sacramento was it, somewhere in California. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, got, I got a call like on like two days before, and I didn't know who it was. And he's like, it was it ended up being Mark Hill in the uh, sports Hill, yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, oh, Nick, how bad do you want to be a stamp? I'm like, oh, pretty badly, obviously. <laughs> he's like, okay, we're gonna draft you, but we can't take you in the first five rounds. It'd probably be five, five six, five six or seven. I'm like, dude, I literally said, I'm like, I don't care from the last pick. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go with you guys, yeah, you know? of course. So, obviously, I was pretty pumped. And it definitely, like, 
put some pressure off going into the draft because I kind of knew that you know they're gonna take me. But then every time, like after round five, I'm like, all right. Yeah. Every time the staff draft, I'm like, where is hey, it? You gonna pick <laughs> me or what? Could be what, yeah. But yeah, so end up getting in the six, which was I didn't care obviously. And then I got a call from uh, I can't remember Coach Bell. I think he's from it's from somewhere down south. And, uh, like Josh, I, or was it Josh Bell? Yeah, yeah, Coach Bell. And um, I'm not sure his area code, but it was some some state's number. But he actually FaceTimed me, and I was trying to pick mm. it up, but the service was so bad in McMahon. It was like one of those old, like, rundown buildings. I had no Wi-Fi. I'm, like, trying to pick it up, but I couldn't pick it up. So like, it's, he kept calling me, like, four times. He probably thought I hung up on him. Yeah. Probably like, oh, this guy's a dick. Why did we draft this guy? <laughs> or and he's probably like, you're a big yeah, man. Yeah. He knows. Yeah, and then he, then he ended up just calling me, and he just said, Congr- congratulations. Like, he's... Because when we actually had that interview, like, a couple weeks prior, he said that he really liked my film and stuff. So he's obviously happy to have me. And obviously, I was just pumped and excited. And I just had Josh when I just went, like, uh, four or five rounds before me. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, that was pretty cool. And endorphins were going. I was flying up, fired up. All all my family and friends were there. So it was pretty fun. It was cool. Uh, One thing I just want to backpedal to about this whole Mm -hmm. process and the interview process specifically because I know we could go all day about hearing examples, whether it's CFL, NFL, mm-hmm. NHL, NBA, whatever, of prospects like yourself getting asked some really weird questions. Yeah. Like, I, I had one in mind. It's gone now. But I was just curious from that perspective, whether it was Calgary or Hamilton or whatever, did they ask you anything where you're like, oh, man, like, like you're totally stumped? Or was it pretty straightforward? Uh I think for the most part, it's pretty straightforward. Like, you kind of know, like, what kind of questions you're going to ask. But Calgary definitely tried to, like, catch me off guard on a couple of questions. Like, I think they asked me an example. I can't remember the exact receiver they used, but apparently he's, like, 6'6 and, like, super tall. He's like, okay, Nick, you're covering this guy. Like, what what are you going to do? I was like, grow longer arms? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And then I was like, they're like, no, seriously. And, like, just questions like that. And they had asked me, like, what's your – uh, worst quality as a DB or one you need to most, most improve on. Like, that's one I didn't really – I wasn't really prepared for. Right. So I wasn't sure – I don't think I answered that very well. Do you remember what you said? I think I said, oh, I can't cover the eight very well if it's a good throwing ball. And they're like, yeah, that's the hardest <laughs> route to cover, you know? Like, <laughs> um, and then another tough question was – I was expecting it, but they're like, okay, Nick, like, let's get down to it. You're 5'10", 170 at best. What makes you think you can play in the CFL? Like, stuff like that. And, right. and I was kind of obviously prepared for that. I'm like, oh, they're probably going to ask me that. But one that I wasn't expecting was, th- so they had watched, like, apparently they had watched all the Hardy Cup film, and they watched it in, like, super big detail. And they're like, oh, Nick, we noticed that, like, you always try and finish the play, and you're always going to the whistle. Uh, we like that about your game. But on this one play, like, we noticed that you got mad before the whistle ended. Like, because uh, we had blown a switch, and uh, – I had I had seen the guy getting tackled in the corner of my eye. I thought it was a pretty easy play, but we screwed it up. And right. it was a, it was a second and long, and they ended up getting a first down. They ended up scoring that drive. But if we would have done it properly, like they should have been off the field, right? So obviously I was just fired up because like it was, it was the playoffs. And then I kind of just said, yeah, like obviously I don't usually do that, but like in the playoffs and stuff, like it was heated. It was it was in the yeah. moment. I was so sure. you know it's 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 different if it was a regular season game and then you blow a switch like that. It's like oh, whatever. But like when we we're down. And it's a kind of a big play, and end up scoring on that drive. Like that's just stuff that it gets emotional because you're an athlete and you care, right? So of course, yeah, stakes are a lot higher in that yeah, scenario, yeah. and yeah, how can you not? Yeah, I think I think they understood. Like they're just trying to grill me. But yeah, yeah, just put you on the spot, oh, you yeah. know, make you think a little bit. What's it like playing with other Canada West athletes that maybe are on the stamps now, like mm-hmm. people that you've been playing against for five years? Yeah, and now it's like, oh man, we're wearing the same threads. Mm-hmm. So I think th- one of the coolest things was just. Like, being a CFL fan as I was younger, 
growing up. Like I was a really hardcore CFL fan when I was probably like 10, 12, 13, like that age. Then in high school and stuff, I kind of dropped off. Just like kind of focused more on like my, my school and sports sure, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But then as I started playing in university and, you know, people you're playing against, people you know on the team, start getting drafted, start playing a lot in the CFL. I just started watching the games just to, you know, see these guys play. So, you know, any weekend, it could be in any team, like in Toronto versus Edmonton, you see two or three guys that you've played against or you know or that were on the Calgary Dinos, right? So you're just kind of cheering for those guys. So it becomes more of like I just enjoy the, the whole CFL game, right? Mm. And then obviously get into camp and stuff, playing with guys like Atlee Simon and Fraser Sopic. Like I never played Fraser Sopic, but he was out east. But like guys that you played with that, you know, you just realize they're just like you, you know? Uh, yeah, they're trying yeah, to make the team. You and, might hate yeah. him in university. Yeah. or like, yeah, I don't think I, dude, you don't really yeah. hate anybody. I don't think you hate specific dudes. You just like it's just the sports. You know, it's kind of us versus them mentality. Like at the end of the day, they're just like you. They're, they they love the game. They love their teammates. They're there for a reason, right? But obviously, like it's just sports, right? You get you get to know a guy, and you're like, yeah, they're not that bad, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess by extension of that, like obviously, you know, when you're in game, you have a job to do. You mm-hmm. need to need to get the win, whatever it is. Um, so with that, getting in the heads of opponents. Um, I'm just kind of curious because everyone always has a great story about this, but if you can, what is what has got to be the worst chirp that you've ever heard on the field? Whether it's you heard it, you received it, or you gave it out in your whole time, whether it's high school or with the dinos. The worst chirp or like like worse as like the, the best? Or yeah, the, or funniest. Okay. I mean, yeah, however, however you want to take know. it. Honestly, yeah. I'm not, I don't really chirp too much. Like I'll chirp if a guy starts like you know, coming at me or, yeah, or does something back, greasy. Right? Yeah. I'm usually one to instigate it. But I think, like, the worst one, this this guy this year, like, we I had went to high school with him, like, and, uh, like, he's a bit younger than me. I never actually played with him. But he, like, greased his dude in the back on pun. And I was on the side, and I was like, what the hell is that? Like, I was, he was swearing and stuff. But <laughs> then, like, he turns around and kind of just gives me this look, like, you know, keep talking. And then I end up seeing him later in the game, and he kind of, like, he, it looked like he got scared when I got close to him because we were on special teams. Then the whistle ended up going, and I think I said something to him, and then he's like, why aren't you in the CFL or something like that? Because the like, snaps had released me, you know? And I was like, I was like, dude, you're honestly chirping me for getting drafted. Like, dude, you're not even going to get the opportunity, so piss off, you know, kind of like that. And then I, know, I used to, like, you don't even – that was just funny. It's like, dude, like, you don't even understand, you know? Yeah. But whatever. So those are just funny. Um, I don't know. There's some funny chirps. But for the most part, you just people swear, call each other cowards. That's really about it. Right. Let's get to some mailbag stuff. Hey? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Is that okay if I start? Yeah. Go yeah. For it. So obviously, you've been to camp with the Stampeders. Mm-hmm. Um, we heard from a source that during the spring, you were late to one of the oh, practices, yeah. <laughs> and no one noticed. Yeah. What, what's the bad? See, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I said that to everybody. So, um, so uh, at that time, we're doing two days. So the morning practices. We started at like 8.40-ish, 8.30, you go outside. Um, it's not like really the start practice, but you just go through like a, like a, like a run-through, just like plays and stuff, offense and defense. And you don't actually do like the formalized warm-up yet. So at, at 9 o'clock, everyone comes inside, and you get to like kind of get Gatorade, go to the washroom, you know, put on your pads, and then go back outside for real warm-up, and practice actually starts. So I had set my alarm for 7 o'clock. I'm like, yeah, 7 a.m., I'll get up, have breakfast, get ready to go. And I don't live too far away. I live like 50 minutes away, so right. like, yeah, that's not bad. And then I, I set it for 7 p.m., not a.m. Oh. Oh it was just classic. God. And I had a fellas- Classic I, mistake. But that's I remember because like, before I went to sleep, I had uh, put my alarm on. But I was on the couch because I was so tired. I didn't go to my room. So I ended up passing on the couch. I woke up. And, and, of course, it was like 
I think it was like eight fifty five, and I'm like, dude, they're already out. <laughs> Uh, and then I literally just ran. I just like uh, my older brother was up, and I'm running around the house, just literally grabbed whatever I could, got to the car. I'm driving there. I'm like speeding, and I'm just practicing what I'm gonna say to Coach Dickinson. I'm just like uh, the whole time, like I was just thinking I'm gonna get snipped, like. And then I end up, get, so I get in there. I get in the locker room, and uh, two of the injured guys are there, like the older scene, uh, older players, and they kind of look at me like, "Stas, you just get here." I'm like, "Yeah." They're like, "Oh my God, you're, you're screwed." And then I look out, and they're, like, they're all, like, everyone's doing their stuff. I'm like, there's no way they don't notice I'm not here. So I kind of get my pads on, and it was really close to nine. So I'm like, okay, they're all going to come in soon, and then I'm going to go out and just blend in. And then they didn't come back in. So I was like, what the hell? And then um, I was waiting, and then and the, well, Coach uh, Coach Killam starts coming. He's coming in to go to the washroom or something. And I'm like, oh, my God. He's must coming. Be he's freaking out at this I point. was freaking out. <laughs> And then I'm like, yeah, I was like, I was talking to the guys. I'm like, should I just go out? Like, I'm not going to tell you what to do because obviously they're like, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm just going out. So I walk out right as he's coming in. We kind of bump into each other. He's like, Jesus, stats, you scared the hell out of me. Didn't say anything. I'm like, okay, well, I think he thought I was in the washroom. So then I go outside and like, we're all warming up now, like the like the actual warm up. I go in line and everyone's like, stats, where the hell were you? We thought you got cut. And then uh, I was like, dude, I literally got up. I was on the couch. Like, I literally just got here. <laughs> Ten minutes ago. And then uh, <laughs> uh, none of the coaches noticed. Apparently no one noticed. So I'm like, and then I was like making jokes to the guys. I'm like, you know what? If you can show up 30 minutes like to practice and no one knows, you're probably getting cut, you know? So it was just, it was just, it was just funny. I, I, I can't even it. imagine how long, like, how long that must have felt like. For oh, yeah. Like, like all of these little things, like even if a coach just looks in your oh, direction, seriously? you're like, oh, I'm dead. Oh, yeah. But it was, no one noticed. It was crazy. But I was, uh, I've never done that with sports. Like I've been late to class and stuff before, but I've never missed a practice or anything. I've never been late. I've always been like ready to go. It's obviously something I enjoy, right? So I was, I was pretty stunned. It was like the first time, like, and of course I'm like, dude, I'm getting cut, and I made jokes. I was like, dude, if I was an American, they would have, uh, they would have packed my bags and like, all right, you're done. <laughs> Drive to the airport. Seriously. This is just a personal question I wanted to ask you. What is your favorite football play? Like, what play do you see on the field that flips the switch and suddenly you're like, let's go, beast mode, Nick stats. Anytime they bless me, I'm like, I get excited. I get too excited, and obviously, and then sometimes I go, I, I get, like, beat on the outside by the quarterback, and I feel like a, a loser because the quarterback just beat me. But, yeah, anytime they blitz me, I'm always excited because you, you don't have to think about it. You're just like, okay, I just get to go. You're going straight Just go them. and be aggressive and try and make a play. That's kind of the fun part. Yeah. And then I just love when uh, you're trailing a guy from behind and they don't see you. And like you just get a strip or something from behind. That that's like always super exciting. Are you like a come from over to the top, or are you the punch out from underneath? Uh, it kind of depends on the situation, but usually I, I like throwing the punches. Yeah. If you miss, you get a nice rib shot or something. <laughs> <laughs> Two yeah. for one, right? <laughs> and obviously with anything in football, I think if you're a football fan in general, you love seeing like the big hits, the strips, the interceptions, a nice sack, but like a nice block, like a nice clean. You know, just a nice clean side, like blind side. Those are you just love seeing. You don't want to see a guy get hurt, but just a nice solid. Oh, when you block. jack yeah. a guy up, right? oh, you yeah. see a guy going flying, you're like, oh, you get to get the whole bench excited, yeah. you know. So, I just love seeing those like crackbacks from the receivers. Those are fun. Yeah. I got a quick one before we get into some some more of the fan mail. But uh, do you do you play fantasy football? No, I don't actually. You don't? No, really? I, okay. Uh, so I've been in the league for like four years, four or five years now. But I'm just a silent investor with my brother. I just I pitch half the money and I don't ever look at it he tries to tell me nick like this is what's going on with our team this week i'm like dude i don't care 
Good for I, uh, you. Yeah. Good for you. You're honestly clean. clean. Yeah, yeah. Don't bother. <laughs> oh, I know. My brothers love it though. Like, and like our whole high school friend group, we've had a, a like a fantasy squad for the last five years. We won one year, so I think we like like I think the second year we got first year we got second, second year we got first. So it's like right then we're like, oh, this is sweet. And then now our team is just terrible. We yep. lose every year. So sounds about right. It's classic. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I just I don't know. That was like Aaron, you can do this. I'll just. I'll just invest my money and not have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah, but the emotional investment is not there. Exactly. Which is great. Yeah. Kind of going back to practice, you talked about two a days. One of the things that I've written down here is that you've worn the same black Nike shorts for the for practice for the last three years. Pretty much, yeah. Actually, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's the shorts really. Yeah, the Nike shorts. I just like them because they have pockets, so I always put my mouth right in there. Oh, okay. If I need to, because some guys will like take their mouth guard out and put in their sock, and I'm like, dude, that's disgusting. <laughs> So, like, I'm, like, I always made sure I had shorts with pockets. And then I finally upgraded my Nike shorts. I got some nice, uh, they're, like, Lululemon style, but they're, like, Under Armour. Yeah. Right. And, like, I just, like, love them. They yeah. They have, like, a zipper pocket, too, so, like, you can't get your fingers caught. You can't even yeah. lose your mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. nice. Uh, but I have worn the same spandex. And guys make fun of me all the time because it's, like, I have these. So I'm I'm really old now, so I wear, like, all these compressions because I'm my, I heard my you wear four layers of compression shorts. Yeah, so I wear like my <laughs> like at the my, same time. Uh, so I wear my core shorts. Well, my core shorts are so beat up now, like they have holes everywhere. I have to wear a compression underneath them, or just like it just looks weird. I'm like I'm not doing this. It just feels weird too, and I'm like this is this is very exposing. So I wear the um, compressions underneath. Then I wear my core shorts that are just beat to shreds, and then. This year, because I was dealing with hamstrings, with like the whole combine stuff, I was wearing like some, some sleeves on my hamstrings. But now I'm good. I'm good. I'm only down to two compressions and a pair of shorts, so it's not bad. But I, I do, I pride myself on wearing shorts. Like I don't like wearing sweats. Right. I hate running them. So even if it's like minus 30 out, I'll wear shorts. I just I don't. Know, I hate wearing sweats. So you've never bothered to try and like MacGyver these shorts back together, or? No, they're yeah. just they're far gone. Yeah. I, I don't even know. It looks like it, like acid has like corroded them away. Like, yeah, that's how, it's like they need that's to be retired. They yeah. are. I'm like, I was too lazy to buy a new pair. I guess maybe if I make some money and see if I'll buy a new pair. Yeah. Hopefully, so, yeah. Seriously, what are you listening to on your iPod these days? Oh, everything. Such a random assortment of stuff. Usually like soft stuff though. Did you into, like, did you do that uh, name that tune game? No, I didn't. I'd be terrible at it. I'm so bad at naming artists. Like I can hear a song and be like, I've definitely heard this before. But I, w- I'll know, I won't know like the the artist name or anything like that. Hmm. I is think it's because I'm like so outdated and I have had SoundCloud for the last like four years. <laughs> like I don't have Apple Music, so I'm so like out of tune with like the new music. <laughs> like I, if a new music comes out on Apple, it's all, I mean SoundCloud is always some like stupid cover that hey, you're, like, you're you're supporting the cause of many oh, SoundCloud seriously. rappers. So seriously. you're you're doing your part. Okay, Treshawn, I listen to Treshawn's beats. Uh, <laughs> a guy on our team, he has he Shout has a SoundCloud. Right? He has some bangers. A couple songs I have on my my list. But yeah, you, it's just like a random assortment of like country, rock, pop, sappy stuff. I like the sappy music. It makes you think, you know. <laughs> ah, I think we'll end it there um, before we get a little too sappy on this podcast. Perfect. So thank you so much for coming in. Yeah, Nick. thanks, Nick. Cool. Great cool. Having you, it was fun. It was fun. Fun experience. Hope we, I hope I didn't expose myself too hard with like some of these stuff. Like, geez, people are going to be like, this guy is a terrible athlete. <laughs> a terrible role model. <laughs> Amazing, thank you. This episode of Dinos Unfiltered is a presentation of Dinos Athletics. Episodes are available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our website, 
GoDinos.com. Make sure to check out the website or the GoDinos app available on Apple and Android for schedules and tickets to all of your favorite teams and games. If you can't make it out to the game, remember that our games can be streamed on Canada West TV presented by Co-op. Thanks to my special guest today and thanks to you for tuning into the episode. We'll see you for the next one.